it's my sincere privilege at this time to invite uh, one of our new members up to be introduced to our membership, Chris Marcoux. We here at Richview really value membership. Membership basically says, hey, I'm in to uh, do ministry for Jesus Christ within the local body of Richview Baptist Church. So we're really, really pleased about this. And Chris, uh, I know you didn't think that there was going to be a test, but here comes the <laughs> test. Just a couple questions for you just so that we can all be encouraged as to your journey. Yep. How did you get uh, connected here at Richview? Thanks, Tyler. Uh, it's a bit funny. I'll try to keep it somewhat short, but it's basically been a 15-year journey uh, down the street, uh, literally. Uh, I, I can walk to the church. I, I live really close. I've been a Christian for about 15 years. Uh, through a complicated set of circumstances, the Lord led me to Long Branch Baptist, where I've been a member for the past 15 years. And then about a year and a half ago, uh, playing men's league hockey, got a concussion. And uh, the church at Long Branch, for whatever reason, you don't notice it before you have a concussion, I guess, but the, the brightness and the sound levels uh, were sort of too much for me. And uh, so I had to find a new home. And uh, so, of course, I'm down the street. I decided, let me check out uh, Richview. And I've uh, been coming for about a year. Uh, and, uh, you know, love to uh, get to know everybody here a little bit better. And uh, that's been my <laughs> short story of my... Uh, 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 <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't expecting a tense. <laughs> Sorry. And for all... Yeah. <laughs> for all future members, just know I did warn him that I was going to ask these questions. Uh, I'm going to ask him one more question, actually, and while, I, and while he answers this, I'm going to ask the elders uh, if they would come up, because we're going to pray for you, Chris. You. And, here's, and here's the next question I have for you. Yep. Why did you want to be a member here at Richview Baptist Church? Thank you. Um, and I'm going to phrase this sort of, when I was a, a brand new Christian, I didn't really realize what membership meant. And so I was going to church every week, and I just kind of assumed I was a member of the church, because I was always showing up on Sundays. But uh, becoming, becoming a member of the church is a little bit more than that. It's actually making that commitment and saying... Uh, I'm going to be under the authority of the church. I'm going to serve with these people. I'm going to worship with this local body of believers. And so that's that extra step of getting your names on the roll of the church uh, and, and getting your hands dirty with the church. So. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. Chris, we are so pleased to begin this journey and continue this journey with you. And we just want to pray for you. I'm going to ask Bart Netterfield, one of our elders, if you would pray for us. Lord, we, we glorify your name. And we, we honor you for what you've done in the church and with your son. And we, uh, we thank you for Chris and that he is our brother and that we are part of your family. I pray that you will bless him through Richview and that you bless Richview for him and that we would be the body you would have us be. Amen. Not a great song. That was new uh, to me, maybe new to many of you. I hope we uh, will do that frequently because it's got a great message. Well, my name's Ed, and I'm the uh, transitional lead pastor here at Richview. Hard to believe, already four months has flown by, uh, but God is good, and it's been a great journey with you. We're going to jump right into our text this morning. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 12 to 18, first part of 18, and the text will also be on the screen, so uh, you can follow along there. Let's hear God's word. 
Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, thank you for bringing us here today by your sovereign grace. Thank you for the privilege it is to worship you, to come apart from the busyness and all the stuff of our world and all the things, other things that are going on in our lives, to give concentrated attention to you, to worship with others, to reflect on your word, to draw near, and to be open for you drawing near to us, to be guided by your word. We pray that again this day your spirit would use these moments of reflection on your word to help us, to form us, to guide us, to reveal yourself to us, who you truly are. So bless our time together, I pray this day. May your grace and your power override everything that is done that your name would be praised. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to begin uh, with a couple questions just to get you into the theme of today. How many of you enjoy or like going through hard or difficult times? Bunch of amens there, right? <laughs> Second question. How many of you have experienced joy in difficult or hard times? And I expect many more. And I, many of you have shared some of that journey with me. Uh, I don't believe that God expects us to like going through hard times. Uh, some would suggest that that is a mental or psychological disorder. But I do believe, I do believe, Scripture teaches us that we can experience joy in hard or difficult times. And if this morning uh, you think that those two are opposed, that you cannot experience joy in hard times, or if you find it difficult at times, like I do at times, to experience joy in hard times, well, we're going to explore that further today. Uh, if you were here last Sunday, uh, you would know that Tyler launched us into a series on this wonderful letter uh, or book in the Bible called the book of Philippians, and it's so-called because it was written to people living in Philippi. There's going to be a map go on the screen. 
Uh, Philippi was an ancient Roman city uh, in the region called Macedonia. Uh, today, there are only ruins of that city. It was destroyed uh, around the 14th century. But in the first century, when this book was, uh, this letter was being written, Philippi was a thriving uh, Roman colony, and Christianity had taken root in Philippi through the preaching of the Apostle Paul, uh, who is now writing this letter to them uh, some 10 years or so after the church in Philippi was first established. Now, what has happened is a colleague of Paul's by the name of Epaphroditus, say that with me, Epaphroditus, uh, you don't hear that one, not, it hasn't hit the popular name of children yet today, uh, Epaphroditus, who we will uh, learn a little bit more about later in this letter, well, he has visited, he's a colleague of Paul's, he had visited the, the Philippian church, and he had brought news back to the apostle Paul of how they were doing and how the church was going and they had, uh, he had also the, the church of Philippi had also sent with Epaphroditus some financial support for Paul and so now Paul is sending Epaphroditus back with this letter thanking them and also writing some important words uh, of encouragement and instruction for them so that's uh, why we have this letter now, we have called this series Discovering True Joy because the word joy or rejoice occurs some 16 times throughout these uh, four chapters of this letter. Uh, Paul was very serious about the Philippians discovering, experiencing, and living out joy. And it's our hope as we study this letter over the next few weeks, we will discover more and more and more about this thing called joy. Because you see, the thing is, joy isn't optional for the Christian. It, it's not an option. And in fact, it, it gets right to the core of what it means to be a follower of Christ. And as Titer was pointing out last week, there, there's a difference between happiness and joy. If you read the literature, some, some will make those synonymous. But I think it's helpful, as Tyler said last week, to distinguish between happiness rooted in happenings, things that come and go in different situations and circumstances, and joy that has this um, firmness and permanence to it. And we're looking at this whole thing of joy. And if you don't experience much joy in your life, then you need to look at that deeper in this letter will help you. So let's dig into this particular text. And in this little section of uh, scripture, I think Paul turns our normal human expectations and maybe experience upside down. And that's why I've called this message surprising joy. It's surprising because Paul, as he writes these uplifting and encouraging words, we find out he's, he's in chains. That is, he is literally in a Roman jail, in shackles, chains. And, and why? Well, not because he had stolen something or hurt something, but because he had been going around simply preaching the message of Jesus. Uh, verse 13 says, It has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains 
for Christ, because of his witness to Christ, because of his proclamation of the message of Christ. Now, some of you here this morning come from parts of our world where maybe you can relate to this quite easily, where religious persecution is very much a, a present reality. In fact, as we uh, see the news week by week, it, it's, on, it's on the rise. But it's also true that many of us here who have lived in Canada all our lives, like I have, uh, may find some of Paul's words a bit difficult to relate to. Uh, we read and hear about it in the, in the news, you know, like the bombing of the church in Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday. But in here in Canada, we don't really know, what, at least not yet, this kind of religious persecution where we fear for our lives if we were to share our faith. But for Paul, this was not uncommon. And in fact, this was not the first time. In fact, when Paul first preached about Christ in Philippi, he ended up in jail there. Yet, it was certainly difficult and undesirable, even if it was more common in his own experience. Paul was, don't make no mistake, Paul was not wanting to be in chains. Paul was uh, not happy about his situation. He was diligently praying for his release, as were many others who knew Paul. He was not enjoying his circumstances or situation. And yet he had joy because his joy came from somewhere else. Now, even though the difficulties that you and I may go through may be quite and radically different, I believe that we can learn a great deal from Paul in how to experience joy. Because if he could experience joy in his drastic situation, very, very difficult, then surely we can experience joy in ours. The principles by which Paul worked through his own circumstances apply the ones you and I go through too. And in this text, I think we can find at least three ways that Paul has learned to experience joy in his difficult circumstances. The first I call a surprising perspective. Verse 12 and 13. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. We are to think about this. Uh, to get Paul's perspective that rather than wanting sympathy, rather than wondering why hadn't God protected him, rather than feeling sorry for himself and wondering if he had done something wrong and God was punishing him, Paul experiences joy because he sees God's hand at work in the midst of these difficult circumstances and that 
was more important. Perspective gave Paul joy because he witnessed something even more important than his personal discomfort and challenges. And for Paul, that was because the gospel was advancing. Well, what does Paul mean by that? Well, it means that the good news of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ was getting heard by more and more people. Uh, some suggest that the palace guard that Paul makes reference to encompassed some several thousand soldiers. And Paul had gained this reputation in this Roman jail, probably because of his attitude and the way he lived out his life. And so people were talking about this guy, Paul, who was in jail and yet joyful. And those thousands of soldiers would have had family and friends. And Paul says, so more and more and more people are hearing of the love of Jesus. They're discovering that their sins can be forgiven and that they can have hope for eternity. So Paul rejoices even though he's in chains. Because Paul knew that even though he was shackled, the gospel was not shackled. It was setting people free, liberating people more and more. And the gospel was making headway, was advancing. It's almost like Paul was joyfully leading others to a growing relationship with Jesus. Anybody know where that comes from? Our mission statement. Joyfully leading others to a glowing relationship with Jesus. See, that was Paul. That's what he about. But a key, a key to discovering joy in difficult circumstances is this surprising perspective, a different perspective. God may be doing something in you and me in our difficult times, that is much more important than simply the alleviation of our difficulty. Now, reality is sometimes we may see it and sometimes we may not. Sometimes it can be very clear and other times quite mysterious. Paul, in this case, was able to see how his chains were advancing the gospel. Sometimes, in our difficulties, we will need to simply trust that our God is faithfully accomplishing his will in our world. Well, where does that perspective come from? Well, the roots of that perspective come from this absolute confidence in the goodness of God regardless of my present circumstances. An absolute confidence in the goodness of God regardless of my circumstances. And where does that come from? Well, in reality, the whole of the scriptures speak to the goodness of God. But the centerpiece, the centerpiece is the cross itself. 
Paul put it this way in his letter to the Romans. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? See, Paul is saying, if God gave us Jesus and Jesus went to the cross, then we can be absolutely confident in the goodness of God. And that he will provide for us whatever is necessary for us. Not everything we want. Not the alleviating of every problem. But everything we absolutely need because we can trust in the absolute goodness of God because it was settled at the cross. And that is where our perspective and our joy comes from. Now, I'm not saying, believe me, that holding on to this perspective is always easy. At times, we will need to pray and we will need to train our minds in this perspective. We will need to visit this over and over again because we will be attacked against believing in the absolute goodness of God in the midst of our difficult circumstances. Isn't that right? We will be tested. Do you trust in the absolute goodness of God in the midst of your circumstances? And the only way that you can be absolutely secure in that is by coming before the cross and knowing that love that was poured out for you and that our God will never keep anything if he gave his own son for you. Okay? Now, the second thing, although it could really be a second point of the first, that Paul brings, that brings Paul joy, is this surprising influence, a surprising influence. Look at verse 14. Because of my chains, Paul writes, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul Paul's experience, uh, Paul experienced joy in his difficulties because rather than Christians around him becoming more intimidated by what he saw, what they saw him going through, it actually liberated them. It emboldened them. Uh, Paul's life and testimony had influence on others. And it was a surprising influence, a little bit, not, not like what we would often expect and what often happens as we are thinking in our own society. Our tendency is to think that we should only share about how God answered our prayers and how everything turned out just the way we had hoped and prayed. We tend to have this expectation that God should make all our paths easy and protect us from any harm and that all our troubles should melt away. So the surprising thing that Paul highlights here is that it was actually his difficult circumstances that actually encouraged other people's faith and witness. Or I think 
probably more specifically how Paul was actually navigating those difficult circumstances. Because Paul was modeling his absolute confidence in the goodness of God. And he refused to stop praising God even in the midst of his arrest. And such a faith, such a confidence stirred others. And of course, Paul's great example and witness is still influencing you and I today, centuries later. Paul provides this incredible example of courage and faith and joy in the midst of his difficulties. I don't know about you, but the people I hold in the greatest honor and respect in my life and have the greatest influence on me uh, are the people who have endured very hard things and their faith still shines and there's inc this incredible, attractive joy, solid joy about them. And one of the persons that humbles me yet today by her faith in the midst of suffering is a lady by the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. You know Johnny, simply known as Johnny. Uh, Johnny's story is that she became a quadriplegic at the age of 17 because of a, driving, a diving accident. She doesn't have control of her leg. She doesn't have control of her arms. Uh, she is now uh, 69. In her journey, she has also battled breast cancer. I think recently she's going through another bout of cancer. She is in constant pain, needs a ton of helpers around her every day to simply get up and get dressed and just go through all those things that we take for granted. But Johnny has had this incredible, amazing influence around the world. She developed an organization uh, that ministers to those who are uh, handicapped in a, whatever way. She has particularly developed resources in under-resourced nations and wheelchairs and medical equipment. And in the midst of that, continues to proclaim her source of lasting joy and hope in her relationship with Jesus Christ. Hers is an amazing story. And if you have never read about Johnny, I would encourage you to do so. It will stir your faith. It was not easy for her. It's never easy for her, but at the front end of her journey, she struggled with incredible depression. She simply wanted to die. But Christ met her. Met her in the place of her difficulties, her pain, her confusion. And she found a solid joy in the midst of her difficulty. And it radiates from her. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of actually going to uh, a conference where she spoke. And as she wheeled out onto the platform and began to speak of her journey 
the grace of Jesus, everyone in that place was touched, moved by her life and her influence. We should never think, never think that our difficulties will diminish our influence. Now, if we're trying to present a, a God who is some kind of glorified Santa Claus or genie, then of course we have to only talk about the good things and the miracles and the happy things. But that's not the God of the scriptures. Because the true God, the true God, works in the midst of difficulties and challenging circumstances in surprising ways. And all the glory and honor will go to him. Surprising influence. The last thing that Paul guides us to in these verses is his surprising focus. Listen again, verse 15, the end. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not seriously supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But why does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Now, before we get into the main point that I want to bring, let's try and clarify what's going on here. Uh, Paul draws his reader's attention uh, to two different uh, camps of people going on in, in Paul's world who are preaching the message of Jesus. Uh, one are doing so out of goodwill and good hearts. They're in team with Paul. They're supportive of Paul. Uh, they have healthy and right motives. But there's another group, says Paul, uh, who are not in team with Paul. Uh, why? We're not exactly sure, but uh, Paul's assessment is that their motives are actually selfish. Uh, maybe had they have a longing for a following that would feed their, their own egos. And Paul says they're actually hoping to get Paul into even more trouble in prison that he is. Maybe they're jealous of Paul. Maybe they're insecure about the influence that Paul has. There's these two camps. Now, it's important to clarify, uh, before Paul gets to his main point, that these were not false teachers. Uh, later in this letter, and certainly in other letters, Paul is very concerned for the truth and the clarity of the gospel. Uh, these are not heretics or charlatans. Uh, Paul is not going easy on that. This is not a false gospel that he talks about in other places, something different than the true message of Jesus. Uh, Paul is referring to a, a, a different group here. Now, clearly there are issues, and Paul would hope for better, but the issues are not around the actual essence of what the gospel is. So, Paul, in this case, gives his reason for continued joy, which I'm calling his surprising focus, which is basically this. 
doesn't matter what the other guys are doing or their wonky motives. Let's celebrate that Christ is preached. More and more people are hearing the message of the grace of Jesus, and that's the important thing. I do think, I do think that this is a great principle for us to reflect on. Because isn't it easy to get kind of distracted by others? Maybe by that church down the road. It's so easy to get into a competition and arguments over non-critical issues. Paul held on to joy, refused to be robbed of joy, simply because others were doing things with skewed motives. Even more were out to make life difficult for him. Believe me, that's a surprising focus. The message maybe for you and me is we need to toughen up a little. We need to not so easily be taken off course. We need to not so easily get distracted by what someone else is doing. Not be so quick to take things personally when things don't go our way or when we receive criticism. If Christ is being preached, if the name of Jesus is being lifted up, if people are being convicted of sin and being drawn into a saving relationship with Jesus, if the cross and the resurrection are being proclaimed, then maybe we simply need to rejoice. You with me? Rejoice. And again I say, So Paul shares the surprising perspective, his influence, and his focus. Because you see, even in difficult times, we can have joy. And that's true for you, and that's true for me. But let's be very clear this was not merely mind over matter. This was more than some kind of mental gymnastics. The true source of Paul's joy was because he had come to know Jesus. And that changed everything. Today, do you know this joy? joy of a life with Jesus Christ, a hope that cannot be taken away, a life that is in us through his grace. This is joy, and this world cannot take it away. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your joy. Jesus said, I want you to know my joy. There is a joy that this world can't give us. 
that the things of this world can't give us comes from a different source, and that's in you. Father, I pray that every person here knows this joy, joy in you. Father, we will all go through at times difficult circumstances. Some of us are maybe in the midst of them right now. We're dealing with stuff, some that people know and some that people don't know. Some of us have private battles. But you know. You know. And you've promised to be with us. You've promised to guide us and lead us through. You've promised that as we surrender it to you, you may even use it for your glory to influence others towards you. So, Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to keep this perspective. Help us to keep this focus. Do not let our circumstances rob us of joy. And may your name be glorified.